0: you are right now is not where you have to be. I was worried about what other people would think. But I know there's something to be said here. That's who I am. I can't change that about myself. People see that. I know there's a story to tell. And I felt so ashamed. I was so fearful of what other people thought. I can't live like this anymore. Yeah, you guys were right. This was a bad idea. So let's dive in. The imperfection in me no filters, no apologies, the real deal. So I've been giving this episode a lot of thought lately. I think um, one of the biggest questions that comes up for me as a coach is really, you know, where do I start? That seems to kind of be the question from a lot of people who are struggling to build their self-confidence and their self-worth. And it's almost like, Everything is so chaotic and crazy. It's like, well, where the hell do I start? Even if your life doesn't feel crazy, you're longing for self-love and your longing to feel good about yourself just feels so far from possible that the idea of embarking on a self-love journey kind of feels a little bit strange to many of the people who reach out to me and I don't blame them. It was like that for me too. Also, full disclosure, while I'm recording this podcast episode, there's a Robin that seems to be ramming her head through a glass window. So if you hear any of that popping throughout this episode, um, I'm too lazy to go down there and shut the door. But (laughs) So just so you know, that's what's going on during this episode. Yeah, so a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, Lauren, I feel so disconnected from myself. I feel so far away from where I want to be in my life and I just feel like things are hopeless. Where do I begin? How do I start this journey? And I've almost been toying with the idea of sitting down and making a list of self-love tools and practices for my clients because it's so unfamiliar to so many of my clients that I want to make the process easy and I want to streamline the experience for anybody out there who's trying to find themselves and begin this journey. So today I've, um, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different and that is sort of breaking down for you the process of finding self-love and the tools and the practices that you can obtain in order to um, reach those goals for yourself. So, um, the reason I started laughing when I was recording this podcast episode is because it almost feels like it's going to be so boring. I'm making a list for you, right? Like go and take out your pen and paper and I'm going to list off to you 20 million things that you should be doing every single day to love yourself. And it almost reminds me of, I don't know if any of you out there watch Family Guy. Um, I love it because it's just so freaking ridiculous. But Um, There's a Family Guy episode where he starts a podcast and all he does is list off all of the different types of hats. Baseball cat, cowboy hat, man on a motorcycle hat. And like he just reads off all these stupid things and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, if that is what I'm going to sound like, this is going to be so boring to anybody who's listening out there. So if this is boring, I sincerely apologize. But I know there are people out here who need to hear this. Who need the simple breakdown? Who are longing for that clarity and that step-by-step process of really sort of streamlining their self-love journey? So, let's dive in. I'm going to take you guys back a little bit to the top of where I started. So, um, I don't know if any of you have watched, sorry, have listened to any of the podcast episodes before this, but. There was an episode where I talked about the first time I landed in a psych ward and I was sitting in this room, it was called the sun room, which was supposed to be like the brightest room in this really dark psychiatric ward and I'm sitting there with a the therapist and she says to me, um, why are you unhappy? And I said, I don't know where to start, like everything's a mess. I had just tried to kill myself twice at this point and so the doctors mandated me to go to um an inpatient program for the first time and I was my first year of college and I was really scared and this poor woman was sitting across from me as the therapist trying to figure out quite, you know, what was wrong and and why I didn't love myself and why I was in so much pain and I hadn't come clear to anybody about, you know, the fact that I had just been raped or the trauma that I had experienced and everything that was piling up in my brain because I didn't trust anybody. And so this poor woman is trying to get me to trust her and she says, "Well, you know, what's going on with you? Why why are you unhappy?" And when I couldn't answer that question, um all I could think of was I was scared of being alone. And so that's what I came that's what came out of my mouth. I'm scared of being alone. And she didn't understand why and I remember one of the questions she asked me in her series of, you know, sort of interviewing me to get to the bottom of it. She asked, "Well, what would you feel like if you went to the movie theaters or went out to dinner by yourself? And that thought overwhelmed the crap out of me. I mean, I was so, holy shit. Going to the movies by myself, sitting in a dinner table in a, in a public, in a restaurant with nobody there with me for some reason that struck a chord. Like that hurts, the thought of that hurts so bad and I couldn't understand why. And and it wasn't until I became a coach that I really was able to recognize the issue behind why that made me so emotional because um, it's something a lot of my clients struggle with. It's something you might struggle with too and you might experience it in different forms. So um. If you think about going to the movies by yourself and start to cry like I did, or if you um, try to meditate and the minute you try to meditate you start to cry, or you can't journal and the minute you try to journal you want to throw your notebook across the room, or you can't even look at yourself in the mirror, all of those things are rooted in the same deep issue, which is that you have a really hard time with awareness and looking at yourself yeah looking at yourself so for for quite a while in my life I hated who I was I was not strong in my identity I was completely disconnected to myself it was almost like this out-of-body experience where I felt like I didn't even belong in my own skin and I didn't belong in my own life and I didn't belong in this own world and why live here right why even exist with those circumstances it was hard so um, oftentimes when anybody starts in a self-love journey, that lack of awareness or that fear of, of having to spend time with themselves or look at themselves is so prevalent. Like it's so at the forefront of every issue that's going on in their life. Because if you're not taking time to look at yourself, what happens? You make choices for your life that don't make any sense. And subconsciously you attract people who don't share the same values as you. And inadvertently you gain all this weight because you're pushing and pushing down all of this food to avoid who you are because you're in so much pain. This is what we do and this is how we cope when we don't look at ourselves. So if you're out there falling into any one of those categories, I want to tell you you're safe listening to this podcast. I'm going to do everything in this episode to sort of help you pick up those pieces and start identifying who you are. See, oftentimes when we start a self-love journey, we really don't know who we are. And that's kind of where I was. And I could sit there and say, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a student. I'm um, a daughter. I'm a girl. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> that was pretty clear to me. But there were things I didn't know, things that I felt so disconnected from. Like the fact that today I could say I'm a loving human being. I'm a passionate human being. I am adventurous. I am funny. I'm wildly inappropriate sometimes. And I really like to curse. You know, that's who I am. There's, I, I'm a weird one, guys. I'm a weird one and you're a weird one too but I want you to embrace it and learn that it's a good thing and I think for all of us we are all so unique and we are this world is filled with such amazing individuality yet so few of us actually step into that and so many of us try to hide it and ignore it and pretend to fit in and try to be something we're not and try to belong and try to mold ourselves into being what we think other people want us to be life doesn't work that way I could, well, it does, but I mean, the art of fulfillment doesn't work that way. So self-love begins when you take this first step in recognizing that you're really ready to look at yourself. And that means doing some of the dirty work. And that means maybe having to cry if somebody tells you to imagine going out to dinner by yourself or, or getting emotional when you're meditating or throwing your notebook across the room because you can't sit with your own thoughts for five minutes. It's almost like you're retraining your brain to think differently about who you are and about what you want and about how life works. And so when you step into that journey of self-love for the first time it's going to feel so impossible. It's going to feel so challenging and so uncomfortable but the truth is you got to get used to it. So here's the thing along any self-love journey you got to start activating all of your senses. It's never just one. So When you're numb and you're depressed and you're frustrated and you're sad, what's the first thing a lot of us do? We turn to food for comfort, right? Because food is a sense. It's a taste. It triggers something in our brain to start feeling safe or comforted or good. And that's what we're longing for. So we use that sense, but the problem is we stop paying attention to all the other ones. So boom, we get so disconnected and so absorbed in our food and we haven't fixed the problem and we haven't learned to love ourselves because all we're doing is focusing on shoving food down our throats and ignoring the problem. that makes sense? Is it ringing a bell for anybody out there? Let's try a different one. If you're out there really hurting after a relationship and now you're single for the first time and you're overwhelmed with the idea of having to be alone, you're scared to look at yourself. And so oftentimes when our heart is hurting and we try to fix it, we might turn to food for comfort, like I mentioned before, or we might throw ourselves in a whole new relationship, right? Why? Because that's the sense of touch, the sense of being connected to somebody, the sense of feeling, right? So we may rebound like we've heard so often before, rebound relationships, throwing ourselves from one to the next to the next to the next, never fixing our problem, ignoring the deep issue and rolling ourselves into unhealthy relationships over and over and over again. Because we're only focused on one sense and we're not looking inward. So there's two components to this. It's the idea of using your senses, but using your senses in a way that makes you feel self-love. So we're going to dive into those principles. The first thing I want to tell you guys is that if you're not out there doing mirror work, you should be. Mirror work is a beautiful practice and routine and it's something I mentioned in, you know, I'm having these replays and and flashbacks, so if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to The Perfect Boy, I think it's called, or The Perfect Relationship, or The Perfect Boyfriend. Anyway, that episode I had this guy I was dating when I was 13, and I didn't like I didn't like who I was at all back then, even when I was that young. See, this problem starts when we're really young, guys. It starts way, way, way in the beginning. And even back then, at the age 13, I had no love for myself. And he put me in front of a mirror and he says, I want you to look yourself in the eye, and I want you to say that you think you're beautiful and that you love yourself and that you're amazing. And I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> and I started to cry. It was so weird. It was so foreign to me. So mirror work is a self-love practice that I don't do it anymore, but I had to do it very early on in the beginning of my journey because it was one of the very few things I could do that would heal me, and it, would, and it wasn't too complex. So you're going to perfect the art of self-love, and over time you'll take on these really cool, powerful self-love practices that you never knew existed, but you have to start small. So in the beginning sit in front of a mirror. I always challenge a client to do this once in the morning and once at night and to take an area of your life that you're really struggling with. If it's at your overall beauty pay attention to that in your mirror work. If it's your overall sense of feeling successful pay attention to that in your mirror work. And so what you'll do is you'll stand in front of the mirror and you'll look yourself directly in the eye and it's weird because when you do that you can almost see into your soul in this very twisted way. It's like you're looking at a stranger. You'll go through a period in the beginning where you're like, yeah, I know, that's me. I know what I look like. And then over time, as you keep staring at yourself in the eyes, you're going to think, oh my God, there's a there's a person in there. There's a soul in there. I see something different that I've never seen before in my life. But you got to do it for a little while. So standing in front of the mirror, looking yourself in the eye, Tell yourself, whether you're focused on your beauty or your success or your sense of being loved, tell yourself that you are those things and compliment yourself in three different ways. So I have a client right now who's struggling with her skin. She's really, um, she has a skin problem and it makes her feel super insecure. And so one of the things I told her to do is to stand in front of the mirror, look yourself in the eye and every morning I want you to thank your skin for how it operates for you the largest organ of your body, all of the gifts that it offers you, the sense of touch, the sense of connection, the sense of intimacy. None of that would be available if we didn't have our skin. So honoring what you have, embracing what you're struggling with, and learning to love yourself. Mirror work is a great tool for that. I always recommend it in the early stages. You want to do that probably, I would say, for like at least three minutes every morning and three minutes at night. And come up with different things. Now in the very beginning, it's kind of like we are a kid counting and learning numbers for the first time. So right, so stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself three things you love about yourself. And at night, it's the same thing with gratitude. So standing in front of the mirror or taking out a journal and writing down three things. Let's talk about kindergarten work here. Three things that you are grateful for that day. Because if you're grateful, you can't be angry. And if you're truly grateful, you can't be sad or disappointed or upset. Gratitude is the healing emotion of everything. So by paying attention to that emotion, you're drawing yourself away from what it is that you don't want and you're paying more attention to what it is that you want. It's a beautiful thing. So being grateful for three things. So the first thing I'm always grateful for is something that's natural, whether it's my breath or the flowers outside or the sun on my skin or the smile on my fiance's face that day. Something really small. And then the second thing I'm grateful for is always somebody else because I want to roll that gratitude into receiving with other people. So I thank myself and I feel grateful for a relationship with my mom or a connection I had with a stranger or... um. You know, something my fiance said and that lit me up. I'm just so grateful for it. Or something a friend did for me that day. And then I think of a third thing that's focused on myself. So the first is small and then the second is with somebody else or focused on an an interaction or a relationship with somebody else. And then the third thing is something within you because you got to own your sense of strength. You have to own your sense of worth. And in the beginning, it can be hard. So self-love mirror work, gratitude work, those are beautiful things. And over time you will find yourself healing and loving. But there is a much larger component to the self-love journey and, and that has to be journaling without a shadow of a doubt. If you've never enrolled in any of my programs, I highly suggest you go check out whatisperfection.com. A lot of my programs, clients will notice, and they always joke, I'm printing out so many worksheets, and I'm, my hand hurts. I'm writing so much. My journal pages are full. Yeah, damn straight. I mean, that's amazing. Having the ability to do the work and start looking at yourself is a huge gift, but sometimes you need guided outlines. You know, I have a a workbook series on Amazon.com. If you haven't gone to check that out, go check it out. Sometimes you need the prompts in the beginning to start pulling out the issues you have or the language you haven't spoken for quite a while. And what I mean by that is every one of us has an intuition, right? When we think about something, when I'm thinking about the words I'm going to say on this podcast, majority of them are coming from my conscious mind. They're coming from the forefront of my brain. They're coming from the brain that knows how to cook dinners and the brain that can tell you what 2 plus 2 is and the brain that can recite my address and everything that I have studied in the self-love journey and in my coaching practice. But the language of my subconscious is quite different, guys. The language of your subconscious is the language you need to pay attention to if you need to fix things in your life. And if you're not paying attention to your subconscious, you're going to be going throughout your whole entire life like a robot, feeling empty, feeling miserable, feeling like something's missing. Your subconscious is where all of this work needs to be done. And if you haven't, I always refer to it as a second language. You know, when people say to you, um, you've probably heard this from teenagers often. They go, I'm sad, I'm angry. And you ask them why and they go, I don't know, I just am, right? Like this is what people do. Majority of the time um, when teenagers say that it's because they're learning for the first time that there's a disconnect between that intuition. They're losing that sense of themselves and they're either trying to grow their language to communicate with their inner self or they're disconnecting from it for the first time and it feels abnormal. But if you're an adult out there and you're really struggling to find words for what you are feeling... It's your subconscious, guys. It's your subconscious. You know, it's hard in the beginning. It's hard to understand and grasp all of these concepts and really get clear about, you know, where to start first. Journaling is a great tool, but if you're going to take out your notebook and you're going to write all the reasons why life is miserable and why you hate yourself and why you're no good and why you're sad, um you're going to have a hard time creating any change in your life. So there are all these different types of journaling, and there's journaling where you can lash out and express, you know, what it is that's going on in your life, but then there's also journaling that's informative and journaling that's structured and journaling that's game-changing. And that's the type of journaling that I'm talking about here. It's the journaling where you're learning how to speak your of your intuition for the first time and you're learning how to express how you feel, but you're also learning how to create inner awareness. And you're getting really clear about what it is you want and what you're longing for in your life and what fills you up and what makes you feel good and what your goals and dreams and desires are. When we're really young and we try to dream or we try to brainstorm or we try to, you know, come up with crazy ideas, what do adults say? They say we're not paying attention. But we've been taught that for so long that we actually start disconnecting from what we feel and what makes us tick and what makes us unique individuals created by God. So here's what I'm going to say to you, is that if you're having a hard time with your journaling, go join a program, go get a workbook, go get journal prompts, go Google things on Pinterest, find things to guide you into the process of finding yourself. Because we all need guidance. The other other self-love practice I want to talk about is meditation. Because meditation is this really beautiful thing that's been coming up for me lately um, within my clients. I meditate every single day. If you guys have seen blog posts, I post pictures of my meditation room. I'm really in love with that space. It's a true reflection of who I am. And it's an opportunity for me to really look inward raise my own inner awareness and start deeply connecting to myself and to a higher power. And if you're on this earth and you don't have a spiritual practice, um, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it, you're dead. There's no point in living if you don't have a spiritual practice. Even if it's something as small as saying thanks for the food on your plate or, um, you know, saying three, my fiance and I used to do this every night, we would go back and forth in our troubled times and we would take turns saying three things that we were grateful for that day and it really got us through. So, you know, having a spiritual practice is so super important because it reminds you that everything that is happening in your life is happening for a reason and it's okay. So for me, that's meditation work and meditation is really the most beautiful opportunity to sit with yourself and really look inward and it's you know this law of allowing and being able to receive the feelings that are going to come to you and rather than controlling the situation like we do for so much of our lives we control being on time we control what we eat we control what we watch on tv we're constantly controlling every aspect of our lives our finances you know perfect example. So meditation is this opportunity to surrender and really get used to allowing things to come through. And so if you're unfamiliar just like I did, you know, in these other exercises walking you through self-love practices, if you're unfamiliar with meditation and you have a hard time doing it, go get a guided meditation. Go go on YouTube and Google meditation for Allowing meditation for peace, meditation for healing depression, meditation for abundance. There are literally so many meditations you can find. And sitting in a meditation practice and making it your non-negotiable every day, you will start to get more and more comfortable with the idea of being with yourself, being grounded. You know, one of the things I learned in my own meditation practice, which shocked me, is that I freaking love spending time with myself. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is the best. It is like adventure day. Like I can sit there with my brain and a pen and paper and just do my own thing and hours will pass and I, you know, I just love it. And, and I want everybody to know you can get to that place where you feel just as comfortable with yourself too. So sitting with your meditation, the whole point is to empty your mind. And a lot of us are carrying around a lot of bullshit baggage that makes absolutely no sense. That's total pointless for holding on. But we do. We do. And so meditation is the opportunity to sort of, I guess you would say, unpack your things. You know, like you're carrying around all this these heavy suitcases for miles and miles and miles. And now you need time to rest. Your brain needs time to shut off. It's like giving it a reset button. And automatically, anxiety will remove and depression will release and calm will come through and you will leave that meditation practice feeling so light and so energized and so focused on whatever is important to you because your subconscious has had an opportunity to lead the way. And that's what meditation is really all about. There's another big component of my self-love rituals that I know everybody has been talking about asking about and posting about and that is my crystals and oil work yeah crystals and oil work are a huge huge part of my meditation practice I love crystals right now I have tourmaline on my desk which is to diffuse negative energy it pushes it away uh, defer negative energy I'm sorry pushes it away pushes it away and I also have one of my favorite crystals chrysocolla which is the stone of communication. I feel like every time I am at my desk and that stone is there, it grounds me and it keeps me focused on the idea that I have a mission and a purpose and a story to tell. And I notice my emails are better. And when I work with my clients and I'm trying to tell them what I'm thinking in my brain, if I hold that stone and I stay grounded and I use it as an anchor, man, does everything open up. Things totally change. And on the left-hand side of my desk, I have this beautiful golden brown stone called citrine. And it's the stone of abundance. And it's the stone for manifesting money. And entrepreneurs use this stone to ground them and receive more. And so I keep that on my desk on top of a pile of money to remind myself that the financial wealth I'm striving for is always there. It's always there. And the first time I got a citrine stone, it was really small. And the second time I got it, it was a little bit bigger. And the third time I got it, it was even bigger. And it's going to keep growing just like my purpose on this earth is. And just like my mission is to help other people. I'm never going to stop. But these crystals I use, you know, are very woo-woo, as we say, right? (laughs) The woo-woo community. And it can feel overwhelming and strange and foreign. And like, I don't understand what this rock is supposed to do for me everything on this earth has energy. Everything. And even if you don't believe that you're holding a stone that's going to help you communicate better, what you can believe in is the anchoring idea of it. So if you've ever gotten a tattoo for a symbolic moment in your life, if you've ever gotten a piece of jewelry to commemorate a milestone or an opportunity in your life or a feeling of success, um, if you've ever received an engagement ring or a gift from a loved one, those are anchors. They're a reminder of an emotion. They're a reminder of a purpose. And so even if you don't believe in the idea that a crystal will suddenly push energy into your body and make you something you're not, like a superwoman, what you can believe is by holding that stone that represents something, you can ground yourself in that purpose, in that ritual, and in that mission. So stones are a great way to do that. There's a great series of crystal books by Judy Hall that I always recommend Uh, The other thing that I always am crazy about using are my oils. Man, do I love my oils. I mean, they've been probably one of the biggest game changers in my life. I cook with them. I diffuse them. I put them on my skin. I use them in my beauty care practice. I mean, oils are really such a natural, they're a natural gift to the world. And just recently, we're learning how to use them in our spiritual practice, which is something that's, you know, before us had been going on for quite some time. Plants have always been used in spiritual practice and each plant represents and manifests different things. Clary sage is a great example. Clary sage is a calming anxiety ridding oil that I just love to work with. Um, Lavender is the oil of communication I believe. And there are certain things that each of these oils do based on their plant genes and what their gifts are that really allow me to stay grounded, clear, and focused on my ritual. And if you guys notice, just to recap on what I talked about before, these are all of the senses. I'm going through all of the senses here. So it's the sense of touch with the stones, the sense of smell with the oils. You know, writing things is a totally crazy new sense because it's digging into your subconscious. But that's the whole point is that you want to keep activating all of your senses. So if you're on a self-love journey, go through them and ask yourself, what can I smell every day that makes me feel grounded? When I start my journaling, I immediately diffuse an essential oil and it's the same oil every time to keep me focused and aware that that is the time for me to do it. When I sit at my desk and I start my work day, I turn on a lamp and that is my anchor for having me start the day. Thank you, Ryan Yakomi, my business coach. You know there are certain things that we all do that are anchoring but they're also energetically shifting and that's what you need right now. If you're on a self-love journey you need to shift your energy. You need to make these changes and you need to implement practices to do that. So looking at your schedule I would like to challenge all of you to make a couple of these practices your non-negotiables. Every single day pick something on this list and commit to it to 30 days where every single day... You're waking up and you're doing these things, whether it's meditating or journaling or both. The other thing I do on my self-love journey is that I do not stop reading, guys. Every I'm always reading a book. I read like four to five different books per month because I'm a crazy loon. And I'm constantly trying to absorb new material to help me grow and become the version of me that I'm meant to be. You should all be doing the same thing. Because part of the reason you don't love yourselves right now may have to do with the fact that you don't feel like you're growing, You don't feel like you're growing. When we're in school, we are trained to believe that we need to grow, right? We also hate it. (laughs) So many of us hate it. And if we created this negative association to growth and education and um, informing ourselves, it can be hard to do that as an adult. It can be hard to step back into that journey. But here's what I will say. That is the best part of being a coach is that I have the gift of being able to do that every day to get the most information I possibly can so that my clients can grow and be better versions of themselves and I can be a better coach for them. And it's the same opportunity for any human out there that goes into the bookstore. Go get a self-help book. Really? Really? And then go get five more. And then go get ten more. And keep reading until you die. Because we always need to keep growing and improving ourselves. And if we're not, then what's the point? What's the point of being on this earth? If you don't have a spiritual practice and if you don't have a growing practice, self-love is utterly impossible. So start looking at those areas of your life and start asking yourself, what can I do to grow my spiritual self and to grow as this human being continuously? There's something you can do and there's something you're hungry for. And by using any one of those tools that I talked about today, you can start making those changes for your life. You can start growing your self-worth. You can start becoming the version of yourself you always want it to be and nothing is impossible. The Imperfection Me podcast is recorded by Lauren Liz of whatisperfection.com. For more tips, tricks, tools, and resources and a little bit more TMI, check out the website whatisperfection.com slash join.